Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Inside Savage's Mind. This week, we will be looking at the care of three of the new Caledonian geckos. I'm sure everyone has heard of at least one of these. They are the crested gecko, gargoyle gecko, and the largest gecko species in the world, the Lichianus gecko. The neat thing about all three of these species is not only do they share much of the same habitat in the wild, but in captivity, they all have almost exactly the same care requirements, with the only real exception being that the Lichianus requires a much larger enclosure due to its size. Housing. Both hatchling-crested and gargoyle geckos, up to six months old, can be kept in an enclosure, as small as a five-gallon tank or tub. Generally, after a gecko reaches 10 to 15 grams, it will be best to move it to its adult enclosure, which should be a tank or tote between 15 and 20 gallons. Adult Lichianus geckos require at minimum a 40-gallon tank or tub. Hatchling Lichianus may start out in a 15 to 20-gallon tank or tote, but will quickly outgrow it, so it's best to start with its adult 40-gallon tank or tote from the start. When using any tote as an enclosure, be sure to drill adequate ventilation in both the lid and side of the totes. All three gecko species are semi-arboreal, so height is more, desir is more desirable in an enclosure than length. Enclosures for all three species should be kept between 75 degrees Fahrenheit and 82 degrees Fahrenheit. They do not require any other spe special lighting as they are nocturnal. However, UVB can be beneficial. They require moderate humidity between 60% and 85%. This can be easily achieved with two mistings sessions a day or a water dish. Generally, crested geckos, gargoyle geckos, and lichianus geckos should be housed one gecko per an enclosure. However, with a large enough enclosure, a small group of females may be housed together. Under no circumstances should multiple males be housed together, or they will fight and possibly kill each other. When housing multiple females together, the keeper needs to keep a close eye on them for any aggression and immediately remove any aggressors. Into their own enclosures, crested geckos, gargoyle geckos, and or lichianus geckos should not be housed in the same enclosures. That is to say, no multiple species in a single enclosure. Crested geckos enclosures should have plenty of places to climb on and hide. For this purpose, branches, vines, paper towels, rolls, egg crates, etc. may all be used, so feel free to get creative with your enclosures. Based on a naturalistic and or bioactive enclosure, or something as minimalistic as paper towels as substrate with some egg crate for hiding and climbing. Just remember, you'll have to scale up what you use for climbing and hiding when it's being used for a Lichianus gecko enclosure because of their size. They will need to be able to actually use what you have in that enclosure. Ideal substrates for use with all three of these species is carpet, paper towels, or cocoa fiber. May be used for a more natural look, especially for a bioactive setup. Your gecko's enclosure should be misted every night when the geckos start to wake up. Keep in mind that the amount of mistings and the amount of time each misting should be done for will be dictated by the type of enclosure you are using 
and where you live. For example, a screen enclosure, instead of a tank or a tote, in a hot, dry state such as California or Arizona, will need to be misted more often and for longer each time to maintain adequate humidity. Whereas when you're comparing it to a tote or a tank enclosure, even in those same states, for the purpose, it is best to have a hydrometer in your enclosure as well as a thermometer. The little stick-on gauges are not the most accurate. However, with these three species of geckos, they should be adequate to give you a close approximation to the temperature and humidity inside your enclosures. Diet. All of the New Caledonian geckos have a few options for their diet. Their main diet should consist of a diet often labeled specifically as a crested gecko or just gecko diet. The only brands of these diets you should be using are Fruit Mix Complete by Pangea or Rapashi Crested Gecko MRP, which stands for Mill Replacement Powder by Rapashi Superfoods MRP. Rapashi's only comes in one flavor, and some geckos may not be a fan and refuse to eat it. However, Pangea comes in a decent amount of flavors, including watermelon, banana with papaya, fig, apricot, and even a special made formula for breeding to help with their requirements for vitamins and calcium, as well as protein, for a breeding female that needs them. I've personally had eight crested geckos over the years, including two that I currently have, and the one food I found that every single one ate without a problem and that not and that the not so picky ones seem to prefer over the rest has always been the Pangea watermelon flavored. All of these foods are made by taking a small scoop, putting it in your gecko food, food dish, adding some water and mixing it to the consistency of ketchup. I usually do a one tablespoon measuring scoop per a food dish. I found that some of my geckos preferred their food a little more watered down than the others, while some preferred it a little more on the dry side. Crested geckos all have their individual likes and dislikes. So you'll have to watch your geckos and see how they eat it and react to it. Uneaten food should be removed and replaced every two to three days, as often crested geckos especially will not look to eat the first night but may eat the next. Keep an eye on the food to make sure it does not mold or dry out regardless. If it's been only a day, if the food dries out or starts to mold, it should be replaced immediately. Unless your enclosure is overly humid or the food was made with too much water, you really shouldn't have to worry about mold at all within those two to three days. The general rule of thumb in New Caledonian geckos hobby is if the food is not dried out or molding, you do not need to jump to replace it right away, but it should not go more than four days without being replaced. For example, food may last longer in a 40 gallon enclosure than in a 10 gallon due to humidity, whereas in the 10 gallon, it may mold fairly, fairly quickly. I personally use a magnetic feeding ledge made by Pangea that clips onto the side wall of the enclosure with magnets on the ledge and two magnets on, that go on the outside of the enclosure to hold it in place. The ledge then has two compartments for little disposable food cups. I use the ones, use one for food and the other one for water, as I always house my geckos individually with their own accommodations in their enclosures, 
so only one food dish and one water dish per an enclosure is necessary. When I replace the food, I make new food in a new dish and place it in the ledge. As someone who cares about the environment, I like to go the extra mile seeing as each of the disposable cups are plastic. And I scrape out the old food of the previous disposable cup, rinse it, dry it, and put it in the recycling, instead of just outright throwing it in the garbage with the food in, inside it. I do the same for the water, but I replace the disposable dish only once every other week, unless the gecko uses it for the bathroom. In which case, that end, ends up encouraging negative bacteria to grow within the water dish. If they do not use the water dish to go to the bathroom, I simply rinse it every three days and refill it with, a, with fresh tap water treated with Reptisafe. And then I replace the little dish altogether at the end of the two weeks. Take note that really no other brand of gecko diet should be used for your geckos. For example, the Zoomed and Exoterra diets you'll often find at most chain pet stores like PetSmart and Petco instead of Pangea or Rapashi, which is not as common in most chain pet stores resulting in Rapashi and Pangea needing to be ordered online. These other diets by Zoomed and Exoterra not only are inadequate in nutrition-wise, but they are also high in sugar. In essence, you are feeding your gecko empty, empty calories and sugar water, which is obviously a no-go. Anyone worth their salt within the gecko community, especially reputable breeders, will recommend to you the same main two brands, Pangea and Rapashi as they are the only two tried and true brands that have been around for a while and have the proper complete nutrition for your new Caledonian geckos, which means they are so adequate that you do not need to feed them insects. This can be used as your sole diet, which brings me to my next point on diet. Insects can be provided to vary your gecko's diet and help stimulate brain functions through hunting. However, they are not required as their complete dietary requirements are supplied with Rapashi or Pangea. The ideal feeder insects should be crickets or small roaches, such as young dubia roaches. Never feed insects caught outside, as they could have parasites or have been somewhere where pesticides or other chemicals were used that can, can and will kill your gecko. Waxworms or small horned worms may be fed sparingly as a treat as they are high in fat. Feeder insects should be gut loaded two days in advance and dusted with calcium with vitamin D3 prior to feeding adult geckos can be fed insects once a week in addition to their Pangea or Rapashi. Younger geckos should get insects one to two times per week in addition to their Pangea or Rapashi. These geckos will grow much faster with insects in their diet than without. Keep in mind, insects should not exceed the gap between their eyes, otherwise it is too big and they can choke, or will be unable to eat it. Purchasing. Crested geckos are the most common pet of, of the, or the... Purchasing. Crested geckos are the most common of the new Caledonian geckos in the pet trade, with the gargoyle geckos being close second, while Lichianus tend to be rare as they are extremely expensive to purchase, which is partially due to their large size while being as easy to care for and handle as a crested and or gargoyle gecko, which makes them very attractive to reptile hobbyists as pets. That said, your best bet for obtaining a Lichianus gecko 
is to look for a breeder online or at a reptile expo. As for gargoyle and crested geckos, while you should always purchase from a reliable breeder and or check your animal shelter for geckos needing a home, most chain pet stores, including ones like Petco and PetSmart, will have crested and gargoyle geckos with cresteds being more common than gargoyles in most places. However, try to avoid giving business to such establishments as they do not take proper care of their animals. Taming. All three of these New Caledonian geckos are super easy to tame as they are usually quite chill and mellow fellows who usually tolerate handling well and are often content to chill with you and watch TV. However, should they start to be stressed, they should immediately be put back in their enclosure and they should not be taken out for longer than a few hours at a time per day, especially because they are nocturnal and need their sleep during the day. Or it's no different than you working the day shift with four hours of sleep the night before. These geckos like to jump a lot, and you will quickly learn to spot their posture when they're about to launch off of you. And I mean launch. In which case, you should always have a free open hand ready to catch them. And you should always keep a close eye on them for this exact reason. All three of these species make great pets for children. However, I would not suggest them for kids younger than 10 due to their small and fragile bodies, excluding the Lichianus, of course. That said, they are super easy to care for and tolerate handling well, making them great for children with supervision, of course. Here's some other important things to remember about these geckos. All three species can and will drop their tail if scared. However, they are not as quick to do it as some of the other gecko species. Crested geckos cannot regrow their tail. Once it drops its tail, it will be tailless for the rest of its life. Gargoyle and Lichianus geckos, on the other hand, can both regrow their tails partially to, uh, to fully dependent on where it drops it from, be it the base or further down the tail. And the regrown tail will not be as good at storing fat than the original resulting in a much thinner tail. The regrown tail will also look quite different, sometimes having a different pattern or coloration, usually stripes, or no pattern at all. The tails on all three of these geckos are prehensile, meaning they can move them and bend them to help climb branches and hold onto your finger, and even use them to help steer their leaps. A fully grown crested gecko can reach between 8 and 10 inches in length. Adult gargoyle geckos can be between 7 to 9 inches in length, while the largest gecko species in the world, the Lichianus, get between 8 and 17 inches in length. During breeding season, crested geckos and gargoyle geckos will lay a clutch of two eggs every 30 to 45 days. Lichianus geckos will also lay two eggs per clutch, but will on average have only four clutches per year. Sometimes a female gecko of these species, though extremely rare, can lay a clutch without ever coming in contact with a male. You should have a nesting box ready for this possibility. It will be noticeable by the female size when it is developing eggs. There are tons of videos and pictures online to help you identify this. Any egg should be incubated unless shriveled and dry or moldy, as there is a phenomenon known as parthenogenesis, where an egg that was laid without the female ever coming in contact with a male will be fertile 
and will hatch a live baby. Often, these parthenogenic babies can actually survive and live as normal babies. However, they are always born female and produce eggs of their own that are fertile without a male ever being present. These babies will also go on as adults to lay their own eggs that will also hatch into females who do the same. This is by definition parthenogenesis. Another fun thing to note is all three of these awesome geckos come in a variety of morphs, which is what we call different colors and patterns that are passed down through genetics. For example, I myself have two crested geckos, a female flame partial reverse pinstripe named Nilla and a male full phantom pinstripe named Chip. Without going into too in depth, I will give you guys a brief explanation of these specific morphs. Flame refers to a specific coloration morph where the flames can be any color, but the dorsal fins or, or dorsal scales is usually patterned with cream color with whiter cream being more desirable. Flame refers to a specific coloration morph where the flames can be any color, but the dorsal scales are usually patterned with cream color with whiter creams being more desirable. Pinstripe is when a crested gecko has the raised scales from above its eyes that go all the way down its dorsal, aka its back, on both sides to the base of its tail. Partially pinstripe, or partial pinstripe, is when there are breaks in the pinning with 50 to 75% being the low percentage and 75 to 99% being the highest percentage of pinning, while 100% is full pinstripe and no longer considered a partial. Dashed pinstripe is less than 50%, with usually symmetrical breaks in the pinning on both sides. Reverse pinstripe refers to a coloration pattern, not a structural one, where the color stripe running along the outside of the pinstripe is dark instead of light. A phantom pinstripe is a crested gecko that has pinning but lacks any white or colored cream in the dorsal area, a ideal phantom would be patternless morph with a full pinstripe highlighted in cream. And with that, this week's episode comes to a close. I hope this episode has been educational and helpful for you guys. If you have any animal you would like featured in a future episode, do not hesitate to leave me a message on social media. As always, my social media will be in the description for the episode. If you enjoy video games, consider stopping by my Twitch live streams sometimes as I stream several times a week, varying, varying video games from Call of Duty, Halo, Apex Legends, to Ark and Assassin's Creed. My Twitch will also be in the description. I would also like to remind you guys I will be attending the Raleigh, North Carolina Repticon on November 28th from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. with the VIP ticket holder crowd. If you're also going to be in attendance and would like to meet up, shoot me a message on social media. I enjoy getting to meet you guys. Till next week, guys, stay safe, stay positive, and be great to each other.